He stood up with his customary elegance and boldness, gripping the pulpit for what would be the final time. He searched the eyes of his congregation, eyes filled with fear, with worry, with questions. He knew exactly what he needed to say. Earlier that day, he had received a bomb threat. His life was in jeopardy. Martin Luther King Jr., on this most dangerous of days in his life, he revealed the thoughts that were going on in his heart. He said, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter to me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing anything. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Now you know as well as I do that MLK's unrestrained boldness and his legendary confidence, it's inspiring. See, he, he knew that despite whatever happened to him, there was one who's greater. A God whose purposes always come true. But maybe you've come here this morning and you're not seeing those purposes happening in your life. Now maybe you've been trying to connect a spouse or a friend or a child to Jesus, but every time you bring up the Bible, conversation falls flat. Rejections become all too familiar for you. Now you and I know that the grace of God is transformative. It takes us from death into life. But sometimes the question comes up, well, how can reception of God's word be so connected to rejection? And maybe if you ever analyzed your life and the world around you, maybe you get this sense that maybe God is losing. And you try to wear your faith on a sleeve and you try to look for opportunities to talk about the hope you have in Jesus, but every time you do, the results just don't seem to line up with what you hoped they would be. Now maybe on Facebook you post your favorite Bible passage, one that always brings you comfort and strength, and you get one like, and it's your mom or a friend. And then you see another one of your Facebook friends put on a video of a kitten hula hooping, and that is 100 likes in about five minutes, and you're sitting there, how does this make sense? This is the life-giving word of God. This is everything. How is that so... Not important. How do people look at a cat with more excitement and joy than the message of Jesus? And maybe you have a brother that you've been trying for years to get connected to Jesus. He's been growing more and more distant from the faith, but you bring up the Bible and he laughs you off. Maybe personally. You know, you're looking for the Bible to try to find answers in this crazy world. Your emotions have been swirling for weeks, trying to find some sort of foundation, some sort of perspective. And you read a verse like John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you know that means you. But your feelings don't change. And your situation doesn't seem to get any better. Is the Bible everything it claims to be? Is God losing? Is rejection the natural reception to hearing the message? You know, it's easy to look around and wonder, how is God's word not making an impact, right? 
you know, you look around at the world and you think, why, why is the Bible so offensive in our culture? Well, you and I, we know the saddening answer to that, don't we? Because you know as well as I do that the Bible has been offensive across cultures and across time, hasn't it? You know, we look within, and by nature, we know why it's so offensive. Because by nature, our mind and our heart, we don't like hearing that we're sinners, and we don't like hearing that there's something deeply wrong with us. We don't like hearing that there's nothing we can do to earn God's love, and we certainly don't like hearing that we can't live life the way that we want to. And it becomes really easy to buy into the illusion that God and the Bible, it's not worth following. That God and the Bible isn't going to give you the meaningful and purposeful life that you're looking for. That God and the Bible are a failure. The illusion that God is losing. But see, that's all that it is. An illusion. See, the devil would be so giddy if you and I chose to follow all those who have rejected the word across time, the devil would be so excited if we tuned into the old Adam, the old Eve within, and found the Bible to be personally offensive. But see, he's buying into the illusion. Because the reality of rejection yields far different results. And that's exactly what Peter and John are going to show us this morning. So now again, let's set the scene here. So here they are in the temple, and they're proclaiming the greatness of God, right? They, they used, or they you know, spoke the name of Jesus, and a paralyzed man is walking. People's lives are being transformed. People are praising and thanking God for everything that, they've done, that he's done for them. And you think that nobody would want to stop this. This is an incredible movement. But then something seems to go terribly wrong. The leaders of their country, they don't encourage them to keep doing this. No, they interrogate them, they threaten them, and they tell them to never say another word about Jesus. These same people who put Jesus on a cross now are telling these uneducated fishermen to be quiet forever. And of course, why though? I mean, that's the, that's the natural question, isn't it? I mean, people were seeing how Jesus was changing lives all over the place. Why would you want to stop that? We know it to be true. We know that it, God's word will always be offensive. It will always cause obstacles. And yes, rejection is a part of it. But that's not where the story ends. So right after they get rejected, right after they're threatened, right after they're interrogated, you know what Peter and John do next? They run to their brothers and sisters in the faith and they do something radical. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was facing the kind of persecution they were and I was going to say a prayer to God, what would I be praying for? Lord, please protect us from persecution. Lord, please stop this rejection from happening. Lord, make this gag order go away. And that's me. Maybe that's you too, but that's not Peter and that's not John and that's not the rest of these believers. You know what they pray for? They join together as one voice united and they simply say, Lord, we trust you. You're incredible. You see their prayer there? Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, God, you're amazing. 
I mean, look at what you're capable of. You are everywhere, directing all things according to your purpose. In this dangerous time, they're not arguing about how to circumnavigate this political order. They're not in worry and fear and anxiety. They're not anywhere near that. They're simply stopping and thinking about who God is. And when you and I think about that, just thinking about God being God, it changes how we look at rejection. You look at God in a completely different way. You look at his purposes as unstoppable. See, here they are, wandering through, trying to figure out how to make ministry work, but they put it all into perspective. Now, even if every influencer and world leader and army stands against God and his people, God wins. Even when the leaders of his own country joined together with leaders of the world power at that time, Rome, to crucify the king of kings, God won. And it's here in Acts 4, verse 28, that we find this otherworldly aspect of God's grace that we have to uncover today. It says this, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, don't be mistaken here. God did not force Pontius Pilate and Herod against their will to crucify Jesus. That's not what this verse is saying. Here's what God is saying in this verse. They had their plan. It was their choice to come up with this wicked scheme. But their plan and their purpose will never go above mine. Mine always supersedes. They may have intended to bring suffering through this, but I'm going to bring joy in dancing. They may have sad intentions, but I'm going to make gladness come out of this. In other words, even when the enemies of God think they're going to get a victory, they end up accomplishing the Lord's purpose because God can't be stopped. His plan to bring his family home will never, ever be halted. It's something only God can do. He can take rejection and make it a tool for the Lord's victory. He can turn pain into pleasure. What looks like losing is really quite the opposite. In fact, the believers here, they understood that. So you saw they quoted from Psalm 2 when they said their prayer of thanksgiving. You know what that psalm goes on to say? As the Lord looks at his enemies and your and my enemies, the Lord, the one enthroned in heaven, laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. See, it's an illusion that Satan, sin, and death ever get a victory. It's God's illusion for them because the reality of rejection is God always wins. Evil always loses. I mean, just think of that image of God laughing for a moment. You know, I can only imagine as that room was shaking that they were meeting in, did the thought cross the minds of those believers of God's thunderous laugh just rippling through that scene? I mean, think about what this means for your own life. Is there a situation right now that you're in that feels too big for you to handle, maybe even too big for God to handle? Think about that in connection with what Jesus handled on the cross. Where he took all of our pain, all of our stress, all of our suffering, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt. And he carried that to a cross, nailed it there to never return to us again. If Jesus can handle that, I know he can handle whatever you're going through in your life right now. And look at the results of what happened when Jesus was rejected, right? Here he was, abandoned by his friends, betrayed by one of his friends, turned over to church leaders who should have 
promoted him rightly as the king of kings, but instead they want to crucify him, put on a cross, buried. Look at the result. Eternal life for you and for me. See, God has made unstoppable plans through Christ Jesus. Even the most tragic and sad moments of our lives, things that we could never imagine actually bringing us closer to God, that's exactly what happens. He incorporates all the pain and sadness in our lives and he puts them into the grand plan to save the world. He takes the purposes of evil and completely turns them around to bring good and grace out of it. I mean, you saw that play out in our gospel, right? Here Jesus is talking to his friends and family, giving them the ultimate hope that's only found in him, and they literally back him up against a cliff. But did that stop him? Not at all. What did he do? He walked right through that crowd like they weren't even there. You know, in your life and mine, we're faced with struggle and challenge, sin, temptation, whatever word you want to use for that challenge. Jesus at your side will walk you straight through it too. Because there's no trauma, there's no sin, there's no temptation, there's no struggle that can outdo Jesus. God's word is always powerful. God's word always accomplishes its purposes. Rejection, it doesn't ever stop it. In fact, God can even take rejection and use that to proclaim the gospel and to change hearts. And just knowing that breathtaking aspect of God and his good and gracious will, it changes how we look at our own lives, doesn't it? And how we want to live our lives. Here in Acts 4, we see what the Christian life is all about. See, the disciples here, the believers here, call God sovereign Lord. And that kind of denotes a master-servant relationship, a dynamic there, right? We as Christians want nothing more than for our will to be bound to the will of God, to be servants of Jesus in whatever way he has called us to do that. And by having that servanthood to Jesus, that's where we find true and authentic and real freedom and purpose. And what is that freedom? It's the freedom to boldly and freely proclaim the hope we have in Jesus. It's the freedom to know that our identity is completely captured by the grace of God. It's the freedom to know that there is nothing that happens in this world that God will not use for his good purposes to bring his people home. It's the freedom of knowing that God loves us dearly. He has given us salvation. We have full and free forgiveness through him. There's no other kind of freedom like that. It's something only God can do. When you think about all of that, how can we ever have fear when witnessing our faith? If God is in control of all things, how can we be intimidated? If he can even use rejection to change hearts, but you know as well as I do that walking the Christian walk is a whole lot harder than talking the Christian talk. And here's where the believers in Acts 4 have something that they really want to teach you and me today. It really comes down to two things. The first thing is look what they did the second they faced adversity for their faith. What did they do? They ran to one another. They ran to their family in Christ. See, that's what this Christ family is all about. We run to each other. We build each other up. We support each other. Having a church family is not something that's a luxury that we can maybe do without. It's a necessity. It's like eating and breathing. I need each and every one of you We need to be in this together to proclaim the gospel, not just to our community, to our hearts that desperately need it. 
it's the vision that we have here. And I know we have a really exciting consultant presentation coming, but really, you know our vision here already. Did you see it in Acts chapter 4? That we're to be the Lord's hands, stretching out to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of God's holy servant, Jesus. See, Jesus has joined, has invited us to join him on his adventure to watch the miracle of faith happen, to see the wonder of conversion take place before our eyes. In fact, you and I have been anointed through baptism to be Jesus' voice, to proclaim freedom for the captive, to bind the brokenhearted through the gospel. We need each other to do it. We need to build each other up. And that can happen in so many ways. A simple text message saying, I'm praying for you, Sending an email with a Bible passage saying, I hope this gives you as much comfort as it does for me. A reminder of who we are coming from someone in our church family that knows us and loves us dearly. And that's why it's so hard to say goodbye to the Teals today because they've been a, a huge part of that, huge part of our family for 10 years. And yet we know that God's purposes for you guys are going to be awesome and fantastic in Michigan. But we need that Christian community. It's so necessary. And thank God that we have that blessing here at Christ. It's constantly pointing each other back to Jesus. Now his purposes always happen just as he wants them to. And it's really that second part that, part that leads us to the second thing that these believers in Acts are trying to teach us today and that are, they are teaching us today. It's to remember who Jesus is. You think about it. His creativity communicated through some words made the whole universe burst into being. His mere presence makes our enemies cower in fear and his laugh sends them running away like the cowards they are. And his smile, when you see our Lord smile at you through the grace that's found in the scriptures, he's proud of you. You're his. You're his child and nothing and no one can take that status away from you. The smile makes all the difference for us, right? Now remember who your God is. He can make what's sad become glad, and yes, he can take pain and through it bring lasting pleasure. And all of this leads us to where we started this conversation. What is the illusion of rejection? It's this. Rejection is not a conversation stopper, but a starter. Rejection is not the end of the Bible's power, but the beginning. Rejection doesn't define you. Redemption does. And rejection doesn't lead to doubt, but to rejoicing. See the reality of rejection. It's found in every page of Scripture. And when you do, you'll find yourself staring into the face of God, whose earth-shattering presence has made you unshakable. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be our glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.